How many of you know that I cannot cook? Rachel. Now I know. All right, now you know. All right. I have cooked. I've cooked some food for myself. Occasionally, if, I, if I'm starving, I will, I will, I will cook some. No, not that Did it taste awesome? Yes, it tasted awesome, Trey. Yes, all right. So, have any of you eat, ate, eaten my food? No. Then how would you know if it's not awesome? Just try it. What does that mean, Theo? All right. Okay. So let's look back at 2009. Up here, guys. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Roxy. Right here. Okay. You have a sweater. I was told it was hot. I put on a sweater. It is hot. Sorry. All right. Uh, Anton, can you turn it up just to the to the mark? Thanks. All right. 2009. Overall, some of you rated as a seven, an eight, a nine, five for Brandon. All right, and that's overall. Now, if I were to ask you to rate your spiritual 2009. How would you rate your 2009 in your relationship with God? One million and five. Trey says one million and five. I said one billion. One billion. Oh, sorry. Got to make that specific. Some people say it's seven. Some people say nine. Nathan says a ten. Oh, Ethan said a ten. Good. Steele says nine. Good. All right, I like these numbers. Some people are saying nines and tens, that's good. Some of you, if, if I had to sit down and say, I want to have a spiritual conversation with you, you would rather jump off that balcony head first. Some of you would. For some of you, the condition of your heart in 2009, you know what, it might not have been bad, but you probably didn't grow some of you, some of you did grow. Um, and if you did grow, that's great. This message is for you. If you didn't grow, this message is for you. So either you grew or you didn't grow. And Okay. Um, how many of you have been on Rose Island and you, you've gone, and I know Ethan has. Ethan's been uh, up in the bush, right? And what do you find up in that bush? Swamp, right? And does that swamp smell nice? And it's hot and it's muddy and mucky and disgusting, right? And why, why is it like that? People dump back there? I don't know. There was, there was swamps back there when I was a kid and there was no construction. I know from when I was a kid there were swamps back there that were just stagnant. And they hadn't moved. And what happens to a, a pool of water that doesn't move? It stinks and it gets, all kinds of things grow in it and everything gets nasty, right? And that can happen to us. That can happen to us spiritually. We can grow kind of stagnant and stuck and, and we give off an aroma, right? My challenge to you tonight 
is to make 2010 something where you let God cook up something really good. Something that smells nice, all right? In your spiritual walk, don't be afraid to let God stir you up and do something with you. We're going to look at a passage from 2 Peter tonight. Um, and this is, this is Peter. He's writing to, to the church. And uh, he's challenging them. We're going to start at, uh, at verse 9. I want to start. No, actually verse 10. Verse 10. All right. He says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay? Verse 10. Again. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. What does that mean? To be diligent to make your calling and election sure. Who's that, Amber? Keep, keep working, okay, yeah, because you're being diligent. To be sure of your salvation, right? All right, uh, I'm sure some of you in 2009, you probably said, you know what, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. Um, I don't feel that much, you know. And sometimes that can happen because we've allowed ourselves to get stagnant. We've allowed things to just become routine and boring, and, you know, we say, okay, it's time to go to church, or, you know, and, and we're in that routine of spiritual stagnation. And uh, Peter's saying, be diligent to make your calling and election sure. He's saying, you know, work hard at making sure you're saved. And that doesn't mean that we work to be saved, okay? That doesn't mean that we work to be saved. It's just that when we do these things, he says, if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Now, never fall doesn't mean never sin. Okay? He says, he says if we are diligent to make, sure, to make our calling and election sure, we will never fall. Okay? That means we will never fall away. It means we will never, uh, you know, give up on our faith. If we're working at it, we won't give up on it. All right? And that's another challenge I have for you guys in 2010. Don't give up on your faith. Don't let it get stagnant and don't give up on it. All right? Now, what are... These qualities that he wants us to practice. Fruit of the Spirit, yes. But he tells us in the previous verses. I'm going to work backwards tonight. Is that okay? Okay. Uh, if, right, if you practice these qualities, and what are these qualities? It starts in verse 5. Okay? In verse 5, he says, I'm going to get there and let you get Yes, okay. Um, it says, for this very reason, and he had just told them how they had been saved out of the corruption of the world. He told them how they had been rescued from uh, sinful desires. They'd been, uh, they'd been called to the glory and excellence of God. All right? And so we've become, we've become partakers of the divine nature. That's what he says. All right? We've been saved. We've been escaped from the corruption of the world. And so for this reason, in verse 5, for this reason, because of who you are now, because you're saved, because you're not that old person you used to be, because 
Jesus died for you and rose again and you put your faith in him, all right, something happened. Something happened. You were rescued from that old, normal, stale way of life. And so because that has happened to you, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, here's what you need to do. For this very reason, make every effort. That sounds like, uh, that sounds like what he said in verse 10, right? Be all the more diligent. In verse 5, he says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. All right? So he's saying, you've got faith now. If you are a believer in Christ, you've got faith. And tonight we're going to say our faith is this bowl. Okay? Because you can't cook without a bowl or a pan or whatever it is you're putting the stuff in, right? You can try. Uh... But your ingredients are going to go all over the place. They're not going to stay anywhere, and it's just going to be one big mess, right? Okay. All right. So we're going to say faith is our bowl. This is what we start with. And so he's saying supplement your faith. He's saying we're starting with faith. Now you've got to add some things to it. So what are these things? He's going to talk about seven things we need to add to our faith. So many of us start at faith, and we stop. Because we say, okay, I'm saved, Right? I believe in Jesus, yes, okay, good. I just really don't want to go to hell, right? And I was a teenager one time, and, and I know that was a big part of why I was a Christian, because I just didn't want to go to hell. Okay, yes, I have faith, I believe. But you're going to ask me to work on stuff? <clears throat> All right, mm, I'll be good enough so that I don't get in trouble, or so that my parents leave me alone, or so that my youth pastor doesn't talk to me, Right? But if someone really tries to encourage me to work on things that are deep in my heart, um, that was going to be a problem for me. And so I hope for you guys, your faith is more than just not going to hell. All right? Because God has called us to more than that, and He's going to tell us what it is. All right? So the first thing we need to add to our faith so that we don't just get stuck in, in this rut and start smelling stank, the first thing we need to add. This translation says virtue, okay? We need to add virtue. Virtue is the first thing. Who knows what virtue is? It's a weird word. It's hard to define. Virtue means something excellent, okay? Virtue means it's something, you know, that, that is well done. So add to your faith, add excellence. Okay? Be excellent in the things that you do. This, this applies to just about everything. It applies to your schoolwork. It applies to a frame of mind to say, you know what, I'm not going to be a lazy person. I'm not going to, you know, just do the bare minimum to get by. I'm going to do things with excellence. All right? So the first thing we need to add is virtue. And if we're going to bake a cake, I think we need some cake mix, okay? So, ah, I don't want to. Yeah. See, I told you, I don't know what I'm doing. New Year's resolution? Uh, April, yeah, that's coming. That's coming. All right, so, all right, so, to, so to our faith, we've added, we've added virtue, and it's going to be an excellent cake, right? going to be excellent, virtuous, this virtuous cake. Okay, look what we've got. Very good. All right, so, so we've got our faith and we've got our virtue. 
what do we add next? What does it say? Knowledge. Who knows what knowledge is? It's when you know stuff, right? That's in your brain. What kind of knowledge do you think he's talking about? Knowledge of what's good? Yep. Knowledge of the Bible? Knowledge of who God is? Knowledge of everything he's created? I don't know. Yeah, common sense, yep. But it, it probably has to do more with your increase in your knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, increase in your knowledge of, of who God is, increase in your knowledge of, of his word, all right? And, all right, how many of you could honestly say you had a consistent time in God's word every day last year? Not, maybe, you are a champion, buddy, because... You know, I don't even think Pastor Lee had it every day, and, and <laughs> but um, but that's something that I hope that we can add this year in 2010 to say, you know what, I'm going to be more consistent in knowledge of God's word. And you know what, there's all kinds of ways that you can increase in the knowledge of God's word. Somebody give me some examples that are available to us now. The internet, the internet. fellowship. The Bible, yeah, we could read the Bible. You know, you got the internet. I send y'all videos every week uh, in your emails. I don't know if any of you read them, but read the emails and watch the videos that I send, right? Okay, right? We got CDs, we got DVDs, you got, you got Teleos. How many of y'all been to Teleos? Yeah, look at that. We got Michael, Chris, Chris, Nathan, I've been. You know what? Back in like the 1600s, when they didn't even have the Bible in their own language, you know, they, you could say they had an excuse. You guys have no excuse. You have no excuse. It is instantly available to you at any time, in any kind of way you want it, whether it's, you know, whether you like to read. Okay, I like to read. It's in the book form. I can go on the internet and read. There's videos on the internet I can watch. You know, there's all kinds of things. We have no excuse this year to say anything. Mm Right. That's right. And that's, what, and that's what we're challenging tonight is to say, all right, you know what? I knew, I knew this much in 2009. In 2010, I'm going to take advantage of what's out there to say, you know what? I'm going to know more this year. I'm not just going to be stagnant in my knowledge. I'm not going to be stagnant in my virtue, in my excellence. The next thing, it, knowledge with self-control. Who knows what self-control is? We, all, we know what these things are, right? That's right. We control ourselves, right? We don't smack that person in the face. We don't curse them out when they do something to us. We don't, we don't vent on Facebook about what they did to us. You know, you write something in your status about them, but you don't use their name. Okay? <laughs> And 
there's all kinds of ways that we need to have self-control. And, you know, Facebook is, is a two-edged sword because it is that instant vent kind of thing where you can, you're frustrated with someone and you go on Facebook and you let the world know. But that's not self-control. We can have self-control with our anger. We can have self-control with our thoughts, especially with lust, right? Some of us need to work on our thought life, right? Self-control with your parents. Okay, I see these are all areas that we need to work on. Um, after self-control, oh, I haven't even added my, uh, my other two, right? Okay. So let's add my, my vegetable oil will be my knowledge. Okay. Here we go. It's all, it's all measured out. Okay. And uh, we'll, we'll add some, some butter as our self-control. It won't come. All right. There you go. We're making this. Gonna mix it up. It's all good. It's all good. Calm down. Calm down. Y'all are so hurt by this, Jared. It's like, wow. Some of y'all, some people are, are like taking this so seriously. All right. Self-control. What do we add to, with self-control? Steadfastness. What is steadfastness? When you make a decision, you stay behind it. Good. All right. Good. What else? Committed to Christ. All right. For how long? Forever. Right? Because we can go to Camp Bahamas and we can get excited for a week. Right? But what happens... After camp is over, what happens after that experience? Right? You cry because you want to stay. Steadfastness is perseverance. Steadfastness is patience. Steadfastness is being able to live with unfulfilled longings. All right? Because sometimes we say, you know, I've been waiting so long for this, but it hasn't come yet. So I'm going to go do what I want to do and get it my own way. And so you kind of gave up. You weren't patient. You didn't persevere. And so in 2010, we want you guys to be steadfast. Not to give up because your friends aren't into it. All right. So steadfastness, this is going to be the most fun. Eggs. No. I know you want to bust someone. That's why I said no. All right, here we go. This is, is it, <laughs> this is gonna be fun. Oh, oh, look at that. Look at this. There we go. Oh, eggs. All right, here we go. Huh? Oh, sorry. It gets the job done. 
right? All right, ooh, look, look at this. Oh, it's starting to come together. Oh, man. We're, ah, uh, yes. Ah. Uh, sit down. <laughs> oh, this looks so good. Okay. So, we have added four ingredients so far. Do we need any more? Do we need any more? Okay. Do we, do we need all of the ingredients that we've, needed, that we've added so far for a strong spiritual life? All right. Well, what if we took out self-control? What if we took out self-control? Then we still got virtue. We'll get, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Um, so steadfastness with godliness. What is godliness? Try to be like God, right? Like Christ-like, like... Purity, okay, that could kind of fall into self-control too, right? Um, godliness has to do with being like God, yes, and being devoted to God and, and letting your thoughts be, uh, you know, being consumed with, with focusing on God and letting your thoughts turn to God and the things of God and what does God want me to do? How does God want me to act in this situation, all right? And so, and we can only be godly if we know, if we have knowledge, right? See, so they all kind of mix together. Um, some of us, we watch so much junk on TV, and we read so much junk on the internet, and our thoughts, when it's time to turn them to godly things, it's really hard. It's hard to come in on Sunday or Friday night after we've been sitting down watching three hours of, you know, Family Guy or whatever. Whatever it is we like to watch. And so maybe some of us need to turn the TV off or at least turn some shows off because they make it harder for us to focus on godliness. These are real practical things that we need to, to look at. All right? So our godliness is going to be our water. We're going to mix in this water. Uh, because godliness has to permeate. Godliness has to permeate everything. It has to permeate everything. Oh, this is looking so delicious. Ah. Is this delicious? Ah. Oh, it looks so good. Okay. Now, our last two things. Our last two things. What do we add to godliness? What does it say? Brotherly affection. What is this? Love one another. This is between each other, right? And we talked about, we talked about what this word is before, right? What is this word? Brotherly love is mm -mm. the filio, right? I, I filio in that, right? Right? We talked about that. We talked about that. The filio is between each other. That's to say, I like you, right? I approve of you. 
And so I'm going to treat you with kindness and love. Okay? So we need to add filio love. Uh, what's that going to be? That's, that's going to be... It's going to be our... All right. Now you're, you're going to you're gonna have to use your imagination. Okay? Don't be Mr. Literal. All right? Don't be Mr. Literal. Okay? You got to pretend that we already baked it. All right? Now, if you want if you eat a cake, if you eat a cake, if you eat a cake with no icing, it doesn't really taste as good, right? Right? It doesn't, it doesn't taste as good. But man, the icing, the icing just makes it all the more sweeter. And it tastes good. It makes it taste good. Mm. And then... And then we have to add, we have to add love. We have to add love. And this is, this is not just, this is not just filio. This is not just brotherly kindness. This is not just between me and you. And you know, I like you, you like me. We're all good. We're cool. But this is, this is the agape. This is the agape. This is the love that will love no matter what. Whether I'm loving you back in brotherly affection or not. This is something that we need to add. And so we're going to add the sprinkles. These are sprinkles. Ah. Oh. Ah. Oh. It's good. And then you mix it all up. Oh, and it's delicious. It's going to be delicious. I told you you had to pretend like we already baked it, okay? Something you have to do. Now, so those are seven things that we need to add to our faith. Let's, let's look at them, okay? And let's see, okay, what kind of person are you if you have all of these things? You have faith plus all of those things, but you don't have steadfastness. What's that? You have one less. But what does that mean? What kind of person does that make you if you don't have... Unstable. Like, I have brotherly affection. I have love. I have godliness. But for how long? Right? I can do that for a couple of minutes. But I don't have anything that's going to help me to endure and persevere and last all through 2010. All right. Suppose I have all of these things, but I don't have knowledge. Can people love without knowledge? People, people do things thinking that they are being loving, but they're not. Right? Um, all right, so let's say we have all these things, but we don't have self-control. I mean, I've got godliness, I've got steadfastness, I can, I can do this, but I don't have self-control. Right. And if you take out, if I take out 
one of these ingredients, if I take out the eggs, it's not gonna, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna taste the way it's supposed to taste. And and if we if we mix the ingredients just right, you can get a really good tasting cake. And that's the goal, right? So here's what Peter says in verse 8. For if these qualities, those seven qualities, if these qualities are yours and are increasing. If they are yours and are increasing. So what does that increasing, what does that mean? You're getting more. Right? But it, it, means, it means we don't get a little bit of each one. Right? We don't get a little bit of each one and say, all right, I'm a great Christian now because I have all seven. It goes back to being diligent. It goes back to making every effort, like he said. It also means that you don't get it all at once. All right? Because sometimes we think we're supposed to be, you know, man, Right, I'm supposed to be perfect. I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to have all of this self-control right now. But it says that they're supposed to be increasing. All right, so it means the two things. We don't get a little bit and stop, but it also means, you know, we, we are still in the process of learning and growing. So jump into that process. Now, if we do these things uh, if, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, in 2010, if you want to be used by God, if you don't just want to be, um, you know, just a consumer, someone who just takes and takes and takes and takes and then never puts anything back out, that's being unfruitful. It's like a plant that you water and feed and, you know, you t turn the soil and you do everything you can to make that thing grow, but it just doesn't grow. It doesn't produce any fruit. What do you do with that plant? You don't use that thing. You, get, you give those things to another plant that's going to grow, all right? So, and that's my goal for you guys, for none of you to be ineffective so that when you're in school, when you're in school, you can be fruitful while you're in school. You don't just have to be fruitful here at church. When you go to school, you can be an example. You can be someone who can talk about your faith because you have what? Knowledge. And because you have love. Okay. Now, what happens if you don't do anything? What happens if you leave out some of these ingredients and you become something that doesn't really taste right? Verse 9 tells us, it says, for whoever lacks these qualities, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. All right? This person thinks, you know what? I don't, I don't need self-control. I don't need godliness. I don't need to love anybody. Everybody should love me. I am awesome. (laughs) 
It says this person is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. This person has become proud. This person has become self-sufficient. They rely on themselves. They think they're good enough. All right? And so when you say, you know what, I don't want those things, you're saying, I'm good enough as I am, and I don't really need Jesus. And that's what it's all about, guys. Our, you're going to get these things with God's help. You know, it's like riding a bike. You push one side, God push the other, and you get going. Okay? Because you have to do your part, and God does his part. Now, <clears throat> I don't want you guys to become prideful. This is all about Jesus. This is all about remembering where you came from. It's about getting back to our first love. And that's what I want for us in 2010. We need, some of us need to be really honest with ourselves and say, you know what? I've kind of given up on, on self-control or I've kind of given up on steadfastness. I kind of think I only want to love this person or this person because they're nice to me. But I don't want to love that person or that person because they're not nice to me or they don't look the way I want them to look or they don't dress the way I want them to dress. You know, we need all of these qualities. And if we, if we remember where we came from, that Jesus died for us, he was buried, he rose again, to cleanse us from our sins so that we could have these things. And that's what some of us need to do tonight. That, for some of us, that's why 2009 was stagnant. Because we forgot how much we need Jesus. We don't just need him, you know, when I'm five years old and the teacher in Sunday school told me, believe in Jesus or you go to hell. Right? So I believe in Jesus. Let's see, heaven or hell? Uh, okay, Jesus, yes. That's what I would pick. We need Jesus more than just when we were that age and we believed in him. We need him now. We need him every day. We don't just stop and say, you know what? I'm good. We say, I need you now, Jesus, and I need you to help me with these seven things so that I can become what you want me to be. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word for the challenge that it gives to us. I pray for each teenager in here that if they think that, that they can't do these things, that they would talk to someone, that they would talk to a leader like, like Roxy or Janika or Demi or me or Brother Anthon, Brother Mitch. Just if they could find someone that they're comfortable with and just be honest and, uh, and be honest with you, God. Help us to be honest and to, and to come back to you and to repent of our hard hearts, of our uh, stubborn unfruitfulness. Um, Father, help us to not be afraid to change. Um, God, we know you love us, and you proved it through Jesus' death on the cross. And God, I just, I just pray for each one of us that we would uh, truly seek out these seven things because they are so important, and we can't omit. We, we can't give up on any one of them. We need all of them, God. So Lord, I pray tonight that we would learn to love each other with brotherly affection and, and that agape love, 
and steadfastness and godliness and virtue and knowledge and faith. Father, please help us with these things. We need you, and we confess that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.